Kwasa Dibug, Comment les affaires. I'm Herman Fusilier. This is Cajun and Creole Talk. Gino Delafosse leads one of the most popular bands in all of Cajun and Creole country of South Louisiana. Ironically, Gino actually struggled to find fans at home for many years. He's a real-life Creole cowboy who's had some recent changes in his personal life. That and more with Gino Delafosse today on Cajun and Creole Talk. James Brown's been called the hardest working man in show business, but in South Louisiana, that title might go to Gino Delafosse. Uh, Gino's probably the busiest band working in South Louisiana, I always say, regardless of genre. Uh, most bands lucky to have one or two gigs a weekend. Gino will have three or four, and Gino will recording this uh, right around Christmas time. And I think you got like you've had like ten since last Friday in the New Year. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're busy as always. Yeah, we we keep it rolling. Uh, thank God for that. You know, people. She'll enjoy hearing our music and stuff. We just try to deliver the best we can to, to our yeah. dancers and uh, all of our fans and just be consistent with it. A lot of people, they'll follow you several times a week and they'll go to your dance. Oh, Not just yeah. once, but oh, you, yeah. you got some some dedicated fans for sure. They got some folks the other day. I, I ended up, I did five shows, I think, in, in one week and they were there for every show. Wow. They were wow. there for every show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How, how many have you done in a weekend? I know around Mardi Gras time, you, you can average yeah. eight, nine, ten sometimes. I think I did one one week, I did 11 shows. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It, it's, it's not so bad. The hardest thing for me around Mardi Gras time when I do my shows is uh, the weather. Sometimes mm. it can be warm and yeah. then it get really cold. Yeah. And some of the shows I do, they're outside. So the the, um, the weather always plays a little factor with my voice. And stuff. Okay. So I have to yeah. really babysit it good. I can do it, um, but I like I said, I have to really babysit it and, and, and stay wrapped up pretty good. Yeah. You know, at least my throat and stuff stay wrapped yeah. up good. And uh, and don't sing uh, hard. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. When I first started playing and, and singing, I would sing hard and, and really push my voice mm-hmm. and stuff. And, and I realized I wasn't doing nothing but hurting myself. Okay. And the, the easier thing to do and, and, the, and the smarter thing to do was turn up the mic. Let the equipment do the work. Work that microphone. <clears throat> That's yeah. right. But you know how long you've been at it now? <clears throat> Have you reached 40 years on stage or you're getting close? 41 I would imagine. years. 41 years. Yeah. And you're still in your 40s. Yeah. I'm... Uh, <laughs> I'm 48 right now, and then in, in two more months, I'll, I'll be 49 years old. Wow, wow. And I started playing when I was seven years old. I've been uh, in my dad's band, John Delafosse and the Eunice Playboys. Yeah. Started out playing rub board at seven, and at 10, I started playing drums, and at 13, I started playing the accordion. Just been at it ever since. All those 40 years, what's been some highlights for you? What's, what stands out in your mind? I think one of the, the biggest highlights for me was... Uh, I, I really enjoyed when I went to the Grammys. It mm-hmm. was very interesting to see, you know, to see that that type of production. I've seen a lot of productions, you know, over the years and at, at concerts and festivals and things like that. And we've done a couple of shows where, where um, Toby Keith was playing after us and uh, Clint Black. We actually shared the same stage and stuff like that. I played some festivals, not exactly with B.B. King, but I got a chance to see B.B. live. Okay. And, uh, you know, I don't play blues. You know, we do a little yeah, bit of blues, but yeah. I don't consider myself a blues man, mm-hmm, but I like mm-hmm. the blues. But I learned a lot from B.B. King. Okay. You know, just watching and listening to, him, yeah. listening to him talk and stuff and going on. And uh, you learn a lot from, from those cats, and, you know, and you wonder how they have become so... Uh, 
so so popular and how yeah. they've been able to have so much longevity. And one thing that I've seen with myself is a, a lot of the trials and tribulations that they had, I've had them myself. You okay. know, I mm-hmm. may not have advertised them or they haven't been documented, but, you know, I've had them. We had some tough times on the road and, you know, just music business was slow sometimes. Yeah. You know, we kept moving forward and here we are today. Yeah. And those old masters like BB, he's one of my favorites, but he just knew how to work a crowd. Exactly. He knew how to exactly. get people hollering and wanting, wanting, they want to have more. They oh, don't yeah. want to leave. You know, I... I, I and all musicians are a little bit different. They, they, they got people that's got the gift to, to, to jab and stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm not that big of a talker when I'm on stage. Uh, I, I, talk, I talk when I have to. I'll do more singing. But some guys can kind of talk their way through a show. And other guys can play their way through a show. And I'm one of those guys that can play my way through a show. Okay. I can uh, you know, I'll just kind of get up there and read the people and see what really moves them and just kind of keep them in that little trance for a little while. And then when I know I'm in the home stretch, I start whipping my horse. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, you can work that crowd. Oh, yeah, I can, I can work them. And we're talking about highlights. You, it's been, what, at least a couple of movies you've been in? I know, well, Passion Fish, your dad, and but you were playing drums in right. that scene in Passion Fish. And right. uh, I'm thinking, too, of Ease by you, you weren't in it, but your music my was music used. My music was in, in, it. in, the, yeah. in, the, in the opening uh, opening tracks and stuff. A song called Sepala Pambraye. So that was pretty good. Uh, I've, enjoyed, I've enjoyed that and stuff. And uh, My music was in another movie overseas, Herman, and I, I don't even remember the name of the movie. And and, and that, I guess that probably was another one of the highlights of, of my career. I went to my mailbox one day and opened it up, and I had this check in there. It was a royalty check for nine thousand dollars. What? So immediately I, I called my agent. I say, "Hey, I say they sent me a royalty check, but they made a mistake. They <laughs> they put it for nine thousand dollars." They're like, "No, it's right. They used one of your songs in, in the movie up in in uh, I think it was in Germany or somewhere. Wow. But I still don't know what which song it is. Okay. I don't remember. But uh, the check was right, so that was, that was a pretty right. good highlight. Yeah, the, 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 the bank took it. Oh yeah, they took it, and it, and it didn't return. It didn't return. That's wonderful. And something mm-hmm. that you you've always done that I uh, always felt other musicians should do is your fan appreciation party that you and your family put on. How how, how long have you done that now? I've done it. Uh, I think I, actually this year, the first year that I missed in twenty. I think 21 years. Okay. 21 uh, years. Yeah. So I'm going to have some, some catching up to do next year. I'm yeah. going to have to make it twice as nice. But we're definitely going to do it. I, I just got busy this year and with everything. And uh, when I, I always I have a big problem doing it. I start booking gigs and I know something I done book myself through through the year and then you save forgot. myself a date. But it's free food, free music, you and your family get together. And y'all take, what, days, if not a week, just to prepare oh, yeah, everything we, for it. We got it down pretty good to a science now where we can kind of get everything ready. And, and ready to go in about three days' time. But it's a lot of, a lot of food, a lot of cooking. And, uh, the, the biggest one that we had one year, we served 1,400 plate lunch. Man, so. <laughs> but it was good. You know, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, just bring people together. And a lot of time I get some of my uh, musician friends come by. Oh, and yeah. They it's always in. fun. They, yes, indeed. You yeah. know, and, and I was honored a couple of times. I had um, the late Boise Ardwine came oh. and, and uh, 
perform at, wow. at a couple of the, and Queen Ida came and, and performed goodness. a couple of times. That's yeah. awesome. So that's that's, that's really cool. And your <coughs> fans come out, but but you know some people just come in to eat, but you all right with that. Oh, yeah, I, I don't have no problem with that. You know, I'll feed a straight dog, so why can't I feed a human <laughs> being, you know? So I'm, I'm all right with that. So how did you start with this, Gino? You mentioned your dad, John, just watching him around the house. What made you say, I, I want to start playing music? Or, or did John make you start playing music? No, my, my dad didn't make me start, but I, I saw it around the house. House and uh, my brothers played. My brother mm. John Jr. and mm. my brother Tony, they were playing in my dad's band, and the, the instruments were always just kind of lying around the house. And, yeah. I, and I just I'd watch him. My brother John used to, used to play the rub board, and then he joined the National Guard. And back then, he said, "Man, I, I'm tired of playing that music. Man, we can't. I can't go out and, and see the girls and stuff. You know, I'm playing music every yeah. weekend, every yeah. weekend. So he joined the National Guard, and uh, and then I just I jumped on the rub board and started playing the rub board wow. and. Uh, and they it just kept on going, you know. Yeah. It was really just a matter of just watch and listen. And we went on like that. And my brother Tony, you know, he helped me out uh, playing the drums and stuff when I when I first got started. The accordion also it's just something I, I just I just picked up on my own. Okay. Nobody knew who was gonna play the accordion. And, yeah. and I, I took it out of the case one day and played a little number on it and kept on going and then uh you know, my dad see me playing, he'd always give me some little pointers on things mm-hmm. to do and things mm-hmm. not to do and They'd always say, you know, you gotta, you gotta learn how to read your crowd, man. Don't mm-hmm. don't play your songs too long and this and that mm-hmm. going on. So, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of little little things uh, stuck with me and helped me make it through. And your da- your dad was just so popular in, in the area and beyond, and died doing what he did best, playing Zodico. Died on stage at, at Richard's Club. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, September September 18, I think it was 1994. He had uh, he and uh, another friend of ours, Mr. Clofus Guillory from. Lake Charles, they were doing a little double show. My dad would actually kind of sit in with Clovis's band, and so they would back him up. And because I, w- I had kind of took the road in with with uh, with the units Playboy traveling yeah. and stuff. So and then sometimes my dad would join us also at some festivals and things like. Yeah. But that particular weekend, uh, he was down home, and, and they had the little double show at Richard's Club and played for for two hours and. When he finished playing his set, he got off the stage and walked to the side to sit down. And when he sat down, he just kept going down. Mm, and wow. never got back up. That wow. was it right there. Uh, and you were on the road playing when that yeah, happened. Yeah, I was in yeah. Washington, D.C. I was doing a wedding uh, that, that night when he passed away. And uh, all, all the guys in my band knew about it, but they, they never – I didn't find out that my dad had passed away till it was like Monday night. Passed away Saturday at Richard, but they didn't tell me that on the Sunday – and then uh, when we we played a wedding that Sunday evening, and then we left and we started driving back home. We got back home on yeah. Monday night. And uh, I had a sister that lived in Lake Charles at the time, and a brother that lived up in uh, in uh, he was living in Houston also. And uh, when I got when I got home that night, and I saw all my brothers and sisters was at my mom's house at that time of night, and everybody was up. I said, "It was something not good." Mm, yeah. And that's when I finally I let her. Yeah, passed away. Yeah. And just coming home, that trip was hard for you. It yeah. had a lot of things happen. It was actually, it, that was one of those trips, you know, you're like, man, I, I, you know, when I tell you that some of the hardship that these musicians went through, before I left to go on that trip, I had put a new engine in my van. The engine ran well, but the, the, the radiator was leaking. And it was going to be three or four days before the radiator came in, but I had to leave. So I ended up taking my truck, and when I left in my truck, the transmission was slipping in my truck. But I was able to put a can of brake fluid in that transmission, <laughs> and it made my belt swell, so the transmission pulled. So we got on down the road, 
we were around North Carolina somewhere, and I ended up broke two tires on the truck and going on. So we had to get the tires fixed. We got that done, and then we were we were up in Baltimore, and the voltage regulator went out on my truck. Oh my goodness! So I, I man, I didn't have no lights, and uh, for some odd reason, I put my bicycle in the trailer. So I took my bicycle out of the trailer and I rode up to AutoZone, got an alternator <laughs> stuff. We put that on, cranked up, and we were able to make it into Baltimore. Mm-hmm. But I was actually going to Philadelphia to play a gig, and I missed that gig that night because okay. I, I couldn't make it. So we spent the night that night uh, in Baltimore, and the guy came and t- took a look at the truck and figured out what was wrong with it. So we got it fi- fixed up. We thought it was the alternator, but it was actually the voltage regulator that was mm-hmm. messing up. Mm-hmm. So we got that fixed up and made my gig the Saturday night, made my gig the Sunday. And then uh, we were on the way back home, and we got stuck in a traffic jam in Mississippi. So I got out. I said, well, I'm going to walk around just to make sure everything is all right with my truck and stuff. You know, looked underneath. The starter was hanging. Oh, the starter wow. fell off. It was just hanging by the wire. So we finished. We took the starter off, threw it in the back of the truck, and come on all the way back home with it like that. And, yeah. stuff. and then I get home and find out that my dad had passed away. So yeah, it, was, yeah. it was a tough trip. So what did you think when you found out? I mean, you, the, the, your daddy was gone. You yeah, gone? well, daddy was gone. I said, well, you know, I, I just got to buckle down and just... I got the man up, got the cowboy yeah. up, and do my yeah, thing, you know. Right. But one one good thing I must say must say about my dad is that he always uh, he always groomed me mm-hmm. for that mm-hmm. day, yeah. you know, because yeah. he would tell me, "I'm not gonna be here all the time, so you need to learn how to take care of your business. You need to know how to uh, treat your people and uh, read your crowd, and, and, and you know, play good music and don't put too much monkey shine in your music and stuff." And uh, he had me ready, and, and one time I. I done a show, I think it might have been up in, uh, maybe somewhere in Baltimore, New Hampshire, somewhere, but I, they wanted him on the on the bill with us. So I got his airline tickets and we flew him in, picked him up at the airport, brought him to the show, we played the show and brought him back to the hotel and all that stuff. And, and uh, he kind of gave me the okay and said, you know what, you, you're really doing a good job, you're taking care of your business, you, you're managing your mm-hmm. stuff right. And once he told me that, I said, well, you know, if, if I got his approval, that's all I need, and I've been going on ever since. And ironic, at that time, you were popular on the road, but at home, it took a while for things to, 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 to people to catch on. I, I traveled. I started touring with my band in 1994, and I traveled probably till 2002, just uh, constantly with my band all over the United States. Yeah. But and I don't regret that. I enjoyed that. I, and I, I loved it. It was some hard, some hard trips, hard shows, you know, because, you know, being from South Louisiana, you're not used to all the snow and ice and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And there were some times uh, when we would travel out from Mardi Gras, we were traveling in snow and ice and all that stuff. We've yeah. seen a lot of accidents and yeah. we had a bunch of close calls and all that stuff. Through the grace of God, we made it and uh, nobody ever got hurt or anything like that and yeah. stuff. So it was good. And uh, after I came home and got popular at home, uh, it, it, it made me appreciate that. So if I ever had to go out on the road and, and travel again, I... I'm equipped. I know what to do. And I have a good fan base yeah, all yeah. across the United States. You know, I played, um, when I was traveling, I played with all the the, the, the bigger bands, you know, the well-known bands like mm-hmm. Buckwheat. We've done a lot of shows together with Buckwheat and yeah. done some shows with uh, with Bo Soleil and them yeah. and stuff. And, yeah. you know, we're right there tip for tap with those guys. You yeah. know, we're doing our little thing. Yeah. And you always stuck to your guns because in the 1990s, Zotico was changing a lot with Bo yeah. Jacques. He came in with a whole different sound. Right. Keith Frank was on the rise. A lot of rap and rock into the music, but you stuck with the traditional Creole Zotico. Right. I, for some reason, I just always had this feeling that there was no, at the time, there was no other young 
Zodico or Creole artists that that really could speak French fluent mm-hmm. like like I do, or or really um, had a market for that type of music. And the, the the funny thing about it, it wasn't by me playing here in Louisiana that I decided what type of music I want to play. If I want to play the the you know the the more nouveau type of Zodico like Bojack mm-hmm. and Keith knows, I was playing at a club in. It's in Washington, D.C., called the Twist and Shop. A fella by the name of Mark Gretro used to run that. And I played there, and I I was a big draw uh, in Washington, Baltimore, all in that area. And and, and uh, Bo Solana would play there a lot. And Steve Rollins, all those, mm-hmm. a lot of Cajun bands were yeah. traveling. And uh, I was right there in the top three bands okay. traveling. And and I was playing the more traditional Cajun, Creole, Zodico-style music. And people just loved that. Yeah. And that... Was, at, at that place, I said, you know what? That's the type of music that I'm going to play. That's what I'm going to stick with. I said, I'm going to con- continue playing the traditional Creole, Cajun, Zodico music. I did that. After I was out on the road for a while, and I, and I came back home, just kind of seeing what was going on. And I always told myself, I said, if they ever let me have the opportunity to play in one of these Cajun clubs, they're going to see what I have to offer. That's it. If they ever let me play... I said, they're going to always want me to play. It's funny how, how it all happened. I, I ended up playing. I actually met the people that was running Whiskey River in Henderson. Mm-hmm. But I met them through Christine Balfire and Dirk Powell and mm-hmm. Steve Riley. Because Christine, them, they were going uh, to Martinique to do a, some festivals over there. And they needed a drummer. So they, they had called Steve Riley to go. But he didn't know if he could go. And then they called me. And so we ended up both calling at the same time. I said, look, we both can, we can go. So they said, well, I tell you, what, we're going to take both of y'all with us. And that's how I met Martha and Terry from Whiskey River. Mm-hmm. And we got to become friends. And then when we came back from that trip, um, Dirk Powell, who's Christine's husband at the time, had to go to England to do a show. And Christine and were booked to play at Whiskey River. Mm-hmm. So they asked me if I, if I didn't mind if I would join them, both our two jours, on accordion. So I went there and I... Played the played accordion with them. We also had uh, I think Miss Cheryl Cormier came. Okay. Junior Melanson, Walter Mouton came, and there's a couple other really good uh, Cajun accordion players uh, that came. So whenever they they played a little set, mm-hmm, and then, mm-hmm. and I kind of started the show and I ended the show, and people got a chance to see me, and uh, they took a liking to my music. So I, I asked Terry, who ran Whiskey River, I said. Man, you think there'd be a possibility I could maybe play with my band? And I said, I want to play on a Saturday night because mm. I know you always open on Sundays. Right. You're not open on Saturdays, so I don't want to mess up your Sunday gig. And I said, I'll play on a Saturday night for you for $400. Mm. I said, I just want enough to pay my guys to $100 that night. And we played on a Saturday night, and we had 350 people in there. And, uh, and you got really established there because, I mean, you'd have them dancing on the tables, oh, on the yeah. bar and everything. People well, had a good time at we, that place. It, it did so good from that Saturday night for 12 years after. 12 years. We, uh-huh. we were kind of one of the biggest draws at, uh, at Whiskey River. You, you mentioned your, your band members. Uh, I guess that's part of your longevity, too. You pretty much have kept the same musicians all these years. Yeah, I've been having a, actually, actually your neighbor, uh, yeah. Pop Esprit, on bass with me. Yeah. Uh, Play, been playing with me, I guess. Pop probably been in my band. French Rock and Boogie been together. It's 25, 26 years. Pop been with me probably about twenty three or twenty four years. Wow, that yeah. long. That's something. He's been with me, and uh, then I've got the 
Dale Stelly was playing in my band, been with me probably about nine years or ten years. Then my cousin Jermaine Jack, who plays drums, he's been with me. He started out with my band, and then he got married and moved to Houston, and then mm -hmm. um, had my nephew play with me for a while, and then, then Jermaine ended up moving back. And uh, he got back with the band. But Jermaine and I have been playing together. I've been playing 41 years, and Jermaine started about two years after me. So he's been playing about 38 years wow. pretty much professionally. But he's been back with my band probably, I guess, seven or eight years also. And uh, and then my brother Demetrius is in my band who used to play with uh, Raw Carrier and play with Zodico Force for a long time, mm -hmm. a lot of other mm -hmm. bands. And he joined us. He's been with me probably about 10 or 12 years now. So a lot of seasoned musicians oh, in the yeah. band. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. the one thing that I'm most proud to say all the guys that played in my band previously, they never quit because we had disagreements or or had money problems or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It's just they always uh, they want to do different things. Like okay. uh, Ken August played with me for a long time, and he he started playing uh, blues and, and yeah, jazz. So right, Ken right. August and August, Hot August Nice and uh, Curly Taylor was my drummer for a long time, and yeah. he got his band and. Uh, doing really good and then my nephew Gerard played in my band for, for a while and he's mm -hmm. got his band going and uh, so it was all just because they wanted to do other things and uh, yeah. there was never no uh, no misunderstanding between us and we yeah. all tell this day we all still friends get along and every now and then we get together and we get to jam a little bit yeah that's good mm -hmm. and that's a big point because that doesn't always happen with, with right, bands right. it can be a lot and, of things happening you know a lot of people say well how how, how you keep a band so long I said well one that first of all, we're all blessed that people want to hear our music mm -hmm. the way we do it. That's one. Second is that I pay my guys, mm -hmm. and third, I treat them with respect and dignity. Mm -hmm. You know, they we all part of the band. My name might be on the marquee, but guess what? It's Gino Delafosse and French Rockin' Boogie. You can have a great quarterback, but if you ain't got no good running backs and no centers or no, yeah. no defense fans and that like that, you ain't got nothing. So we yeah. a team. Very and, nice. And, and I always, you know, I, I respect them to the highest. Treat them with respect. Lord and dignity. It's definitely working for you, for yeah. sure. Uh, besides your, your 41 years in music, uh, you, you stay busy no matter what. Just talk about the other things you do. You're a real life, they call you, the, your last CD was La Cowboy Creole, but you, you're a real life Creole cowboy. Oh, it's yeah, not, yeah. We, not we, just a title for you. We run a little uh, little form here. We got a cow-calf cow operation here. That mm -hmm. I, I started out, uh, well, before I met my wife, Yvette, but then since we got married, we got a little bit bigger place and more cattle and stuff like that. And uh, it's been a- uh, How many acres, how many heads of cattle? We got about uh, 250 acres of property. And we're running probably about 175 here to Mama Cows right now. Okay, all right. So going pretty good. Yeah. Uh, the cattle market is kind of distressed a little bit right now. Yeah. But, you know, you, you got your ups and downs. And if you make it through the downs, then you sure can make it through the ups. <laughs> are, you, are you still driving bus and, and every, hauling cars? Every blue moon I, I, I drive the school bus. Uh, it's been a while since I've driven because I've been really busy hauling cars. Mm -hmm. uh, haul, the, the car hauling deal is kind of my Monday, Tuesday job. And then... I cut grass for a company out of uh, Houston called Texas Eastern. It's a natural gas company. Mm -hmm. I've been doing that for about 12, maybe 14 years for them. And uh, so in the, starting in April until around November, we cut grass every other Wednesday and Thursday. I'm on a tractor cutting grass at the plant. So yeah. So when do you <clears> sleep, Gino? <laughs> you know, people, everybody asks me that all the time. They say, man, when do you sleep? Well, on, on Monday and Tuesday, depending on how it's going, you know, with the car hauling, uh, if we get a good start on Monday, we'll, we'll probably haul all day Monday, and then yeah. we might haul all day Tuesday. But usually every night I'm back home. And so I'm home around 8 or 9 o'clock and get yeah. back up the next morning about 5, 30, 6 o'clock, and we hit it again. And then uh, when the grass-cutting season starts, 
on Wednesday and Thursday, we'll get up six o'clock, head out, cut the grass, and usually yeah. back home by about four thirty, five o'clock. So I usually always try to make it back home to to watch the news and, uh-huh. and, and I <laughs> kind of live my life by the, by what's going on with the weather. Yeah. I make sure I catch the weather and see yeah. what's going on, and I can plan my day. And then uh, so usually on Thursdays we we done with the grass cutting, and uh, I'm ready for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Let's and at start least one, once a month on on Thursdays. Uh, we we go down to the Rocking Bowl in New Orleans. Play in New Orleans. Yeah, and yeah. That's I was telling somebody the other day. I think it's been uh, probably about twenty six years. I've been playing at the Rocking Bowl in New Orleans once a month. This year for Thanksgiving was twenty three years that I've been playing at the Rocking Bowl for Thanksgiving night. A long yeah, time. Twenty three years. And now you're a married man. How long you been married now? About a year and a half. We got married okay. September the seventh. September the seventh of of twenty eighteen. Yeah. Now, is Yvette into the music? I see a lot of times at dances. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, it, it, it's funny how Yvette really never been up in the, all that limelight. And it's almost like the, taking a woman that just ran, uh, that was just uh, a mother, and just kind of a housewife, and taking her and, 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 and marrying somebody that's a politician. Mm-hmm. That's kind of <laughs> how the roles in her life change. And uh, she, she's adapted very well. Sometimes I wear out, and she's like, "I don't know how you do it," and you just, man, you just, you you wear me out. But I'm just so used to it, and it seemed like, you know, every time I we leave and go somewhere, a little while ago we were at Walmart shopping and stuff, mm-hmm. and I was in there talking with people and going on. She's looking for me, and I should I should have been behind her with the buggy, yeah. and I was way down another aisle talking. But <laughs> that's just the way it happens, you know. Yeah, Anytime oh, yeah. I, I step out my door, I'm always at work. Looks like yeah. life life's been good for y'all. The it's two been y'all it's been great. Uh, yeah. I tell you what, she's definitely a godsend to me, and I'm so blessed to have her as my wife. And the funny thing about it, um, we actually, we didn't even know each other, but she remembered seeing me by 13 years before we actually ever met, hmm. and she didn't know who I was. 13 years later, we ended up meeting, and uh, actually through some some mutual friends uh, that would come to the dance, and she wasn't even coming to the dance. They were just talking about me all the time, and then one night she ended up coming to the dance and stuff, and... We ended up talking, and the rest is history. Music career going strong, married man. You got the other, your farm and ranch on the side. What else does Gino Delafosse want to do? You're still a young man. You still got a lot of yeah. years ahead of you. Well, you know, I'm, I'm I'm pretty content right here where I'm at. I always say, you know, if I if I never get any higher or, or do anything else, I'm happy. I guess I've been kind of, I've been enjoying the ride. It's been a long time since I since I recorded and. My fans ask me about recording, and I, and I just kind—I of, always kind of just kind of shy away from that a little bit and stuff, because I'm not very big on songwriting. And one of the funniest things, um, like we here at my house, as much music as I play, and and I, and I play music for a living, I don't even have a CD player. Yeah. I don't even really have yeah. a, a radio I can turn on and say, "Well, man, we're gonna listen to the radio right now in my house. <laughs> we have to go in the car or something." Yeah. You know, it's just—it's uh, just something that we do. And uh, I guess I'm—I'm I'm, um, very old-fashioned and. In, in everything that I do, and people still fall on the floor when I open up my flip phone. <laughs> but, you know, you get the job done oh, for yeah, me. And, yeah. uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just very content. I just yeah. wish, um, the only thing I wish would happen, I guess, for me now, with, with the things I do, is that just the, the, the cattle market would uh, kind of come up a little bit and stabilize. Mm-hmm. And we're fine. Everything else, you know, I play all the music I want to play. I've been everywhere I want to go. Yeah. I've done what I want to do, you know, with the, with the cattle. I own all the cattle ever want to own, earn, and you know, want to get married and got a great wife and just I'm happy. To get Charlie Kodak. To get Charlie Kodak, say magnifique. All right. You know, all I can say is the world doesn't owe me anything. It yeah. really don't. Uh, I just want to keep on keeping on. Congratulations, Gene. Thank you.
A big thank you to Gino Delafloss for being with us on Cajun and Creole Talk. Executive producer is Nick Poulos. If you value these conversations and would like to help in this effort, visit our website, CajunandCreoleTalk.com, and follow us on Facebook. You can also write to Cajun and Creole Talk, PO Box 653, Opelousas, Louisiana, 70570. Bien, merci pour écouter et soyez vous Thanks for listening and take care.